A lack of information around addiction and mental health issues has led to a lot of confusion. Heroes in Recovery is here to set the record straight and break the stigma through the power of storytelling and by celebrating the heroic efforts of those who walk this road of recovery every day. Our movement is built on the personal journeys of survivors, shining a spotlight on the disease of addiction and creating a global community of support. Go to heroesinrecovery.com to share your story, read hundreds of others, or join us for a 6K race. Together, we can break the stigma. Yo, what's up? This is Jacoby from Papa Roach. This is Ryan Lee. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Sober Guy Radio. What's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to Humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. Have you checked out the I Am Sober app? If not, you can go to that soberguy.com right now and you can download it there for free. If you just look on the right hand side, you'll see a couple of links in there. I Am Sober is helping thousands of people out there just like you get sober and stay sober. Just another tool you can add uh, to your collection of tools to help keep you on the right track. Uh, best of all, the app is free. Uh, you'll get an overview of your sobriety milestones. You can see how much money you've saved, uh, which, which is one of my favorite parts. I think I estimated out about 20 bucks a day I was spending on drugs or alcohol. And uh, over that course of time, in a little over four years, I think I've saved over $30,000. So it's been kind of cool to, uh, to be able to track that and, uh, and, and see what other things I can uh, positively spend my money on instead of that stuff. Uh, so you also get daily notifications, another good thing to help keep you on track uh, and, and help uh, keep you motivated in the right direction. So you can go to the I Am Sober app um, site at IamSoberApp.com. Uh, you can download it there. You can also go to ThatSoberGuy.com and you can get, get it at the iTunes app store, the Google Play store. Check out the I Am Sober app today. All right. Our guest today is Dr. Kali Estes. And uh, Dr. Essis is a sought-after celebrity addiction therapist. She's a life coach, a recovery coach, and wellness guru that blends talk therapy with forward and positive change to assist her clients in unlocking their true potential. She's been featured in books, magazines, radio, and television for her work in the addictions and therapy fields. Uh, she works with individuals, drug and alcohol treatment teams, and addiction professionals looking to advance their knowledge base. She has over 20 years experience working with drug, alcohol, and also food addictions, uh, which is a big one. Um, I know that that one is, uh, seems to be not talked about enough. Definitely a, a, a big issue uh, with food. Um, so, Dr. Estes, I really appreciate you coming on Sober Guy Radio. I know there's much more to your bio, so I'm going to kick back and uh, turn it over to you and welcome you to the show and, and let you tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thanks for having me on first. I appreciate it. Yes. And I'm known as the addictions coach. So I do all different types of addictions, drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, the newest one, which is social media. So I'm kind of prying, you know, phones from 15 year olds hands now on watching them have full on yeah. addiction meltdowns. <laughs> and I travel all over. I have a signature product called Sober on Demand, where I actually bring the treatment center concept to the client in their home. And it's very non-traditional, very different, very one-on-one. -on -one. So I do that, that as well. And about three years ago, I got asked how I was doing all of this. And 
because I'm very coaching heavy, even though my background yeah, is clinical yeah. psychology, I have a therapy degree. So I got asked how I was doing this, and I started the Addictions Academy to train other people to do coaching. Got it. And we have grown to 40 classes, 22 countries. We're in five languages. We have 21 teachers, and we're the largest online addiction school in the world now, which wow. is pretty awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Congratulations on that, too. I know there's a, a ton of work that goes into that and years of experience and resources and all that. So it's really, really, really cool. Um, you also founded the Addiction uh, Addictions Academy. And um, I know you're, you're offering full scholarships for um, recovery-related re interven interventionist training and uh, certification to EMT, police officers, firefighters, or parents uh, of any child that's been lost to addiction. So I thought that was really, really cool, too. Can you talk a, a little bit about that? Yes. So first off, I started training. I was the first one to train uh, police officers. About three years ago, we started training them in intervention technique down here in Florida. We did police officers, EMTs, and firefighters. And we did it for free, and they loved it. Then I got asked by the state of New Jersey to go up, and I did half the state of New Jersey police officers for free train them in intervention techniques. So instead of putting people in jail, they can help them get treatment, which is more beneficial. So we open that up to any first responder that wants to learn techniques on how to help. EMT, cop, firefighter, anybody who's in the front lines of this that wants to do it, it's for yeah. free. And then we noticed there's a lot of people who have lost a child to an overdose. And they're now advocates and they're out there trying to help other people but they don't have any training. They don't have the skill set. They don't know where to place people. So they're sort of just out there kind of doing the best they can. And it's a pretty tough job to do. So we also open that up to anybody who's had an overdose child that they've lost, come in, take the class for free. And anybody who has an overdose child that's alive can come in and take the class for 250. So we've even discounted it down to one quarter of the price that we normally charge for them as well. So everybody can come in and learn how to do crisis intervention and be able to have the skill set to help anybody at any time, any place. Where can uh, folks find more information about that if they wanted to uh, check it out? They need to go to theaddictionsacademy.com. That's plural, theaddictionsacademy.com. Or they can give us a call, which is 1-800-706-0318, extension 2. And Stephen is in that department, in the scholarship department. He'll be able to help them and get them set up in the class. We've already registered 11 people for January for that class. So just by putting the information out there, we've had 11 people contact us. So that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. And, and first and foremost, I want to say uh, much love and respect to all of our first responders, our police officers, firefighters, EMTs. I have a bunch of homies who are in that field and uh, they deal with some crazy shit on, the, on, a, on a daily basis. And I guess my question for you, I think it's awesome um, that, that they're, they're being offered that training. What about the ones um, who are actually dealing with this stuff on a daily basis? And are, are you seeing any of those men or women who are actually doing that job coming in with, with, um, with, with problems with addictions themselves and being able to handle um, the scope of the things that they're seeing on a daily basis? Yeah, that's really interesting because there are a lot of first responders that have PTSD yeah. and a lot of first responders that are coping with it by drinking and drugging. So we do see a lot of people coming in looking for our services that need help that either don't want to go to treatment, can't go to treatment, don't want to disclose, but also want the help. So we yeah. do we do help them as well. 
Yeah, it's got to be a really tough spot to be in uh, and being a, a, a public a public servant like that and having a job where you're you're, you're dealing with uh, serious situations on a on the daily basis. And then on the back end of it, you know, trying to deal with your own personal life and uh, and, and bring that stuff home. Um, man, there, there, there has to be uh, some sort of resource there and uh, some relief for that, I guess. So that's uh, that's really cool that you're offering that. Um, that resource. And, and we'll put that in the show notes too, addictionsacademy.com. And then can you give the phone number out one more time, uh, Dr. Estes? Sure. 1-800-706-0318, extension 2. And they can call anytime between 9 and 5, Monday through Friday, East Coast time. Stephen will be there. He's in the office. He'll answer the phone and he'll get them hooked up in the class. If they want to send us an email, they can go to the website, which is the addictions, which is plural, academy.com. And they can put all their information on that website. There's a comment box when they fill out the form. And they can just put in their first responder or looking for the free class that they heard on your show or saw online. And we'll contact them and get them in the class. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so uh, Todd Zalkins is going to be coming on the show. Um, and I was doing uh, some, some, uh, some pre-production stuff listening to one of his, uh, his podcasts. And I, I had heard an episode that you were on there with. It was a great, great episode. And I found it very interesting. I had a couple of, couple of questions for you that I had kind of picked up off of that alone. I think that's episode 12 with Peter uh, DiStefano. Um, I, heard that, I heard you say that, that a yoga mat actually helped you get sober yourself. Um, so in your own recovery experience, would you mind sharing how yoga – um, or, or maybe a little bit about your experience and then how yoga ultimately ended up uh, saving you from addiction. Sure. So I started off, I was a food addict and I didn't know it. I didn't know that I had a problem until I was in college. And one of my roommates said, you know, that's not right. What you're eating, you know, stuffing your face with cake and then throwing up and all that other nonsense isn't right. Yeah. And I went to the counselor and the counselor, of course, opens up the DSM and she says, okay, you know, you eat and then you exercise. Well, it wasn't in the DSM then. This is 23 years ago. Yeah. So I didn't have what they would consider an eating disorder because it wasn't registered. So she said, well, you just, you're just fat and sent me to the fat doctor. So the fat doctor, of course, <laughs> goes, here's a prescription. Here's some fen, fen, you know, here's some fat burners and whatnot. Yeah. And I went from 145 pounds to 90 pounds in 40 days. Wow. And I look like I was on crack. I shook, you know, my hands shook because I had too much caffeine. Yeah. And of course, I'm abusing the medication because I'm like, this is awesome. I can eat anything I want <laughs> and I'm losing weight, right? Yeah, yeah. So I went to um, one of the counters and she said, okay, now you're addicted to the medicine. So now we're going to treat you like an addict. So you've got to go to a meeting. So she sent me to an NA meeting and I went and I got there and they had donuts and they had Snickers bars and coffee full of sugar and sugar is my addiction. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I get to go to a meeting and eat sugar. And then... <laughs> She sent me to an OA meeting for Overeaters Anonymous. And I got there and there's no coffee and there's no sugar. I'm like, well, this is stupid. And I was so conflicted because I said, how can I, um, you know, I have both these problems. And one meeting says I can't do it. One meeting says I can do it. And I couldn't, I couldn't, in my brain, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I yeah. said to her, this isn't working. And she said, well, the only other option is rehab. I'm not going to rehab. I'm not an addict. She goes, well, you are. I'm like, no, I'm not. So we argued about that. And then a friend of mine <laughs> dragged me to a yoga class and I went to the yoga class and the guy teaching it was Mr. Stanga. So it was power yoga way out of my wheelhouse. And the guy recognized right away that I was having issues and he was in recovery. And he said, let me work with you. Let me work with you using yoga and breath work 
to get some of these issues out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. So we started doing it. And as he's teaching me this, he's teaching me, you know, how to decompress on the yoga mat and how to let all that trauma from my childhood out. And I would just start doing yoga and just start crying. And he's like, there you go. We're going to get rid of all that. So yeah. he, he processed it with me. And then I learned every time I want to reach for the diet pills or the fridge to do yoga. And coming off those pills took me a year. My body wow. did not reset itself. I blew my adrenals out. I've got Hashimoto's thyroiditis from it. So I can't take that stuff. No matter yeah. what I want to do, I can't. So he taught me how to use fitness to distress myself and how not to reach for the bad food. And then eventually I got rid of white flour and sugar, all the triggers, and I'm you know totally clear, and I love it. But that's my whole story and how that worked for me. How, how much have you seen... Um your health improved just since getting rid of the flour, getting rid of um, the sugar, like, because I feel like food addiction and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's underestimated sometimes. And, and I think for a lot of people, I know for me, it's a secondary addiction for me next to drugs and alcohol. I'll, I'll turn to sugar and I still struggle with that myself. Um, how, how much, how much do you think that, um, that, that it is underestimated and, and not talked about enough? And I then, think it's, it's well, and then to, and then let me let me let me preface the the first part too because I I I um I I didn't I left that out again. How how have you felt uh, since getting rid of all that crap out of your system? Fantastic. So the first thing that that I noticed was it took two weeks, two weeks where I'm like literally laying on the floor screaming, "I'm gonna die!" and everyone going, "No, you're not. You're detoxing." Because the detox is like a heroin detox. Yeah. You have the insomnia, you have the headaches, you have the leg cramps, the nausea, you have all of it. And once you get past it, when you go to eat something, and, and so now if I eat a banana, the banana is very, very sweet. Yeah. And if I go to eat a piece of cheesecake, it's too sweet. It's like, yeah. oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> so I, I have a clear, like I feel clear. I don't feel foggy. I don't feel, I'm not tired. You know, when you do a lot of sugar, you're tired. Yeah. You have a donut at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. By 4 o'clock, you're like, oh, I need a monster. You know, oh, And then yeah. you go right from the, the donut to the monster. Yeah. It's like, well, just those are, aren't helping you. So I feel great. I had, you know, my skin cleared up. Of course, I lost weight. And first time in my life, I had abs. I'm like, wow, I've got actually abs, you know, not like skinny abs, yeah. I got like real abs from working out. So yeah. I love it. Are you sure you haven't been tailing me? Because I'm pretty sure I bought a maple bar and like a rock star from 7-Eleven a couple of weeks ago. I'm pretty sure you're you know, right on point. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny when I tell my clients, I'm like, Pop-Tarts are not a breakfast food. And they go... Yeah. What do you mean they're not a breakfast? I'm like, and Rockstar and Monster should not be in your fridge. And I yeah. get dead silent. And I'm like, then I hear like the pop of the top go off. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Well, I have one left. I'm going to drink it now since you're taking it away from me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I know. What about, uh, like, what about gonna... coffee? What about coffee? What's your take on coffee? I mean, obviously it's caffeinated. I've heard, we always hear the myths like, oh, it's good for you. It's bad for you. It's good. I mean, it, it goes back and forth. What's your take on it? Here's my thing. Anything in moderation. So if you want to have a cup of coffee in the morning to wake up, have it. But don't put five teaspoons of sugar in there yeah. because you're not having coffee. You're having sugar with a splash of coffee. Same thing with that nonsense, that creamer. Like there's 15,000 flavored creamers. Yeah. That's what's called junk. So if I have coffee, it's no sugar and a little splash of organic half and half. And that's it. Got it. Keep it simple. And, right. And I'm okay with caffeine if you do it in moderation. I'm okay with people doing sugar in moderation. But if you find yourself... You know, every single day you have to have a Snickers bar or you have to have a rock star and you can't exist without it. You're addicted to it. Yeah. Might so want to see the fat that. doctor. 
I want to see the fat doctor on that. Um, one of the, one of the things I heard, um, you say, and I thought was really interesting too, is that when you first get sober, your serotonin levels are depleted. Um, and obviously, you know, you're using things like yoga. That was a, you know, an example for you to help build that up, but it took time. I think you said it took over a year to actually wean yourself off of the diet pills. And, um, so what are some other examples? Um, you know, I, I know exercise is probably a pretty common one. Are there other examples of, of what folks can expect um, number one, ex- expect to have that depression, that those serotonin levels be low. But what are some other things that people can do to, to help build that stuff back up? Well, the number one thing with, with the serotonin is exercise. So I tell people, if you don't want to go to the gym and you know you don't want to get on a yoga mat, do 10 squats hmm. just to boost your serotonin because it'll, it'll jump right up. So all of my clients, I tell them, if you feel like you're going to relapse for any drug, you give me 25 squats and it'll nice. look you're crazy. I'm like, listen. You can get high after. Just give me 25 squats. And they're like, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they do the 25 squats, and then they don't want to get high. And they're like, I don't know what happened. And I hmm. see your serotonin flooded your brain. Because what's happening is your serotonin's low. And your brain's going, I want to get high or I want to drink. I'm stressed. And you do the squats, and all of a sudden you get this boost of serotonin. Now you don't want the drug or alcohol or the food. Yeah. And I tell them the same thing. Go for a walk outside. Deep breaths. You know, Getting the fresh air in your lungs will help too. Anything you can do to drop your stress level. Some people, it's going to the beach. Some people, it's snowboarding. Some people go to church. I tell them all, you have to find one activity you resonate with that you enjoy. Yeah. And instead of getting high or eating the junk food, you do that activity. And you switch out your activities. I have one that's a Dallas Cowboy freak. So his thing is, he goes to every game. He buys a jersey at every game. And that's his thing. And he's like, that's what I do instead of getting high. I spend Hmm. all year looking forward to this. Awesome. And... You know, it's, it's a lot of money, but he goes, I'd rather spend it on that than heroin. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I have one that's tattooed. His things, he goes, every time I'm stressed, I get a tattoo. I'm like, you're almost out of skin. So <laughs> yeah. that's fine if, if it makes you happy. So we're really replacing replacing that uh, that high with something uh, something positive or something different. And, and, um, and once we're able to do that, like I know for me, uh, one of the things that helped too was was going back to things that I did as a child, and one of those was backpacking. We went backpacking every summer with my grandpa. He took a big group of us, and when I got into my teens, I kind of lost that, um, you know, because I started drinking and using drugs, and even into my twenties. And man, the last I think we took the first trip again uh, two or three summers ago, and I had this natural high of of not only backpacking and being out in nature. That's a that's a great one too, but. I felt like a kid again. And so finding those things um, that we that we used to enjoy before we became this person who was an addict or a, an alcoholic or uh, whatever your case may be, um, it really helped to connect as, as a kid and feel, uh, feel new again and fresh again, I guess. Yeah. And that works too. Now, keep in mind, there will be people who have traumatic childhood. So we don't want to go backwards because it just makes it worse. Hmm. But if you have something like that that you enjoy – that is a positive experience, you start putting that into your routine. And that becomes the thing you look forward to. It's like people say they work all day and they just can't wait to come home and pop up with a beer and watch TV. And I'm like, why? Yeah. What, what about that activity? Well, I'm decompressing. No, you're not. <laughs> and they say, well, what do you mean? I'm like, no, you're not. You're staring at the TV and you're getting drunk. You're not decompressing. Yeah. You're tuning out. Yeah. And they look at me and I'm like, decompressing is going to the gym. Decompressing is going to the mall. You're doing something a little bit more productive and active. 
And that's yeah. the key. Active is key because a lot of addicts spend a lot of time sitting on the sofa, drinking, yeah. drugging, tuning out. And when they start to do exercise, they're like, oh, oh, this is work. Well, of course it's work. You've been sitting still for so long, your muscles are atrophied. You've got to get in motion and moving. Yeah. And isn't that really the whole point of getting high? I mean, you're escaping reality. You're wanting to escape that, that you know, whatever's going on in your life or whatever previously went on in your life. So if, if you're taking that you know, in the same same sense of being sober and not really doing much, you're really just doing doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And my job as a coach is to get you out of, of that mentality where you're doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. You know, that's insanity. Yeah. So as your coach, I'm going to say to you, what are we going to do different? You know, for example, I had a client yesterday who has family over and she's a wine drinker and she's a red wine drinker. And the family that's over is red wine drinkers. And they all brought a case of wine. And she's telling me, she's like, it's in the house. It's in the house. It's in the house. I know it's in the house. And I said to her, um, if you gave someone a gift, would you want it back? And she said, what? And I said, if you gave someone a gift, would you want it back? She goes, no. I said, I want you to mentally think that you bought them that case of wine as a gift. And she goes, really? I'm like, yeah, because you wouldn't take it back, would you? And she goes, huh. So she called me today and she goes, that worked last night. They all drank wine. And she goes, I thought of it as me giving them a gift and I can't have it because I gave it as a gift. So just by changing her perception of the event, we got her through the event. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff I do. Yeah. You're almost like switching a little switch, like that little tool that is just a quick mental, uh, a quick mental switch. And it really changes the whole situation or perspective on something. Um, what, a, so you deal with many different kinds of addiction. I'm guessing that, Everyone's situation is different, but also every substance, every drug is different too. And when you combine that with different personalities and different people, I mean, that's a lot to take on. How do you kind of navigate through, through different situations and different substances? Well, most people are cross or poly addicted. So they might come to me and say, well, I'm an alcoholic. And then I find out, well, you're not really an alcoholic. You're a sex addict. Hmm. And alcohol is the medium you use for the bad behavior or you're shopping or whatever. There's usually at least two addictions in there and you have to figure out which came first what's the primary addiction what's the secondary addiction and then the next question is are you using for escape or are you using for pleasure so we break it down because you have people that do cocaine speed and such because they're bored and that's yeah. fun to them and that's more you know that category and then you have the trauma category they want to escape so they do heroin they do xanax they're escaping something we have to figure out which category they fit into and then we go that direction. So if it's trauma, we're going to treat the trauma. We're going to treat the past stuff. If it's fun, then we have to talk about, well, what did you do before you did this activity that was fun? What's yeah. changing? And then getting to the bottom of it. Bottom of it. Who, who, like, or what, what substance or what addiction is, is the hardest for you, the most difficult in your experience um, to help someone with? Gambling. Gambling really? has got to be, yep, and I'm going to tell you why. Gambling and gaming are process addictions, and so is sex. But sex is a little bit easier to work with. So you're not putting an external stimulus in your body. You're not putting cocaine. You're not putting alcohol. You're not putting sugar. There's no external stimulus. It's your brain's own chemical. So I'm competing against the brain's own natural serotonin, which mm. is awful yeah. because we'll be having a conversation. The person will think about the casino. Just think about it. And the serotonin releases in their brain. And now all of a sudden they're happy. They're thinking about going to play games. Yeah. Now I've got to get them out of that. And I'm 
competing against the brain's own juices versus somebody who goes and gets cocaine. And I could say, well, if you don't put the cocaine in your body, this doesn't happen. But I can't do that with with gambling. And sex addiction is a little bit easier because it's more about moderation and it's more about, you know, expectation. So you can put parameters on it. But with gambling, you don't need gambling to live. You need food to live. Everybody's going to have sex. You can't tell them be celibate. So you can work. It's almost like a harm reduction concept. Hmm. But with gambling, it's all or nothing. Because these guys will sit there for four days and wear a diaper and play games. Are you talking about literally wear a diaper? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? No, that's it's a wow. serious addiction. I've, I've never heard and that. I, mean, I know I, I definitely know, that, you know, of of, you know, a couple of days, but I've never heard that of actually wearing a diaper so they don't have to get up. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Think about it. You know, they, they bring you food. They yeah. bring you liquor. They keep you happy. If you want a stimulant to stay awake, if you're spending a lot of money, the concierge guy knows a stimulant to stay awake and he will bring it right to you. Wow. So you just sit, you just play, you enjoy yourself and off you go i don't think i could play poker with a dump in my diaper i mean i just don't think i could do that that would be that would be very very difficult man well that's not your drug of choice then it's not no thank yeah um but still wow that's that's just i can't get over that um and i don't mean any disrespect by that either i mean it's a it's an obvious issue for somebody out there who's struggling with that so i don't mean to sound like like a like a jerk when i say that but i just i've i've never heard that before and um that's some serious shit right there how do you how do you actually start to start to peel somebody back from that if they're in that deep okay so the first thing with that kind of a thing it's there's no harm reduction it's abstinence because they're so far in that they've mortgaged the house. These are guys that are almost broke, if not broke, yeah. and stealing from other people at this point, unless they have unlimited income, which some of them do. And it's more, I mean, these are like 50, 60, 70, 80, $100,000 hits at a time. Wow. And some of them, it's pocket change. So yeah. the first thing I do is I have them sit down and create a P&L report, profit and loss. I want to know how much you spent, how much you lost. And they stare at me. And I'm like, you know how much you spent, you know how much you lost. <laughs> they don't want to do tell that. you, though. <laughs> no. So yeah. we do that. And I had one gentleman at the end of our, our session, he sat there and he goes, oh, my God. He goes, I could have bought Mark Cuban's yacht. Now, Mark Cuban owns the <laughs> oh, most wow. expensive yacht in the world. Uh-huh. And I said, you could have. And he sat there and he's like, fuck. He goes, I can't believe I spent all that gambling. And I said, you did. Now, <laughs> let's start coming up with a way instead of gambling to put that money towards a yacht. Yeah. So he was really intrigued by the yacht concept. He's like, OK, so. I could get a yacht. I'm like, we have to just come up with different things that are more beneficial than what you're doing. Yeah. And you know, you've got that kind of concept, and then you've got people who really are broke. They're almost homeless, and they're mortgaging, you know, their kids' trust funds, and they're mortgaging college funds, and they the rent payment's gone, and the wife is calling, screaming, going, "I can't pay the rent." So you also have those guys. Hmm. So it's it's difficult because. With them, I tell them, before you get to the casino, you've got to call me. Because we all know it takes 20 minutes for your brain to shift before you get high. Yeah. So whether you're using cocaine or heroin or gambling or sex, I've got 20 minutes. So if you call me on the way to the casino, I can usually talk you out of it. Hmm. Usually. Once in a while, I have the person going, I'm calling you, but I'm pulling in either way. And I'll say, all right, well, let's make a deal. Gamblers love deals. Okay, which deal? <laughs> yeah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in with 500 bucks cash and no more. Leave the credit cards in the car. So I'll make a deal with them. Okay. Yeah. And then if you win, then we'll renegotiate. You call me. So sometimes that will work. Hmm. But 
it's getting them out of the mindset because their drug of choice is supported by its natural brain chemical, which really sucks yeah. for, for, for a coach or a counselor. Well, kind of like what you were saying with the wine, with the box of wine thing and giving it a, as a gift, the, the same concept I feel like for, um, for the guy who's with the yacht, you're, you're kind of re you're refocusing a certain goal for him or a certain switch in that brain to kind of put it in a different perspective. So that seems to help sometimes, huh? It does. It, it, and it's with any addiction, it's perception is reality. Yeah. I mean, once you get in that cycle, you, you go, you know, I can't get out of this. I'm so far in this now. I don't know how to get out. And my job is to teach you how to climb out of that hole and stay out of the hole because the hole is comfortable. Being on top of the hole is not comfortable. So, so it's, well, let, so so let, let's switch gears from the gambling. What about heroin or opiates? I mean, that's obviously a huge epidemic yeah. in, in the country right now. We're seeing young kids um, who are who are dying, who are just um, you know their lives are destroyed, their families' lives are destroyed. Um, what about helping helping um, people get off of heroin? So opiates are a whole different ballgame, and here's why: with any kind of an upper, seventy-two hours later, you're fine, you're back to normal. Same thing with weed. Same thing with alcohol, roughly. Yeah. Alcohol, a little bit more. Heroin destroys your body. So it hijacks your brain on day three. So this is what happens. It shuts down your receptors. So instead of your receptors firing, they just don't fire at all. And hmm. when you flood the body with opiates, it's a thousand times more potent than your own brain's juices. So your brain just shuts down. And I tell people, it's like, think of it this way. If I give you a bicycle and I give you a motorcycle, and I want you to ride 20 miles going uphill. And you're on that bicycle. You're going to go about half a mile and tell me you're done. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But that motorcycle, you could ride right up you know, 20 miles, won't, won't phase you because it's done for you. That's what happens. So heroin is the motorcycle. Now your brain goes, why do I want to make my own juices? I have a motorcycle. I don't need to bicycle anymore. And then we remove the heroin and your brain doesn't know what to do. So it takes roughly a week for your brain to start to reset itself. That's why people never stay sober it's not fast enough so their brain doesn't fire they feel foggy they feel tired they feel adedonia which means nothing makes them happy yeah and they just can't get out of that the only thing that gets rid of it is more heroin so they know if i just do a tiny bit of heroin all this craziness goes away from me yeah that's why they stay addicted so i treat it as a chemical dependency and an emotional i do the chemical first so we do your detox and if we're going to do subs or we're going to do methadone. It's five to seven days with me. I do not do it any more than that. I don't want you on it. I want you off of it. So five to seven days, then we use cannabis. Hmm. Now I'm going to get you on weed for the symptomology. So the restless legs and the foggy and the nausea, all of that goes away with weed. So we use that for the next couple of weeks till you start to feel better. And then we start using brain support. So now we're using nutraceuticals that cross, cross the blood-brain barrier to make you feel better and start getting those synapses in your brain to fire by the time you're done which is about a three-month process you're back to normal huh. and you feel good you feel better now it's all emotional once i get the physical piece done now it's 100 percent emotional but Got until it. we get the physical and this is where we're going wrong with heroin we dump them in treatment for 30 days and expect something to happen 30 days isn't nothing with heroin yeah. the first seven you spend detoxing the next three you spend laying there wishing you were high <laughs> by the yeah. time you get out you just get high. So I think we're treating it wrong. And I think that's why we're not seeing a success rate with heroin. Yeah. And we should be. 
Well, and it sounds like too, that you have to have some sort of very strategic process like you just laid out. Um, what, what is some of the, have you gotten any, any blowback from, um, from using cannabis, uh, to, to help people get off of heroin? Like you're just trading for one other substance. I mean, personally, I'm, I'm, I'm for, um, using medical marijuana, whether it's for any, any type of sickness, addiction, cancer, whatever. But I know that there's, there, there's always that debate of, of, well, you know, you shouldn't do it because you're just going to get, you know, someone else addicted to another drug. What are you seeing on, on that, uh, or from, or from that perspective? All right. So I'm, I was the first person to come out in my industry and go pro cannabis mm-hmm. six years ago. And I got a lot of flack and this Con- is what congratulations. I said. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I said, let let me ask you a question. Do you eat sugar? And if they'd say no, I'd say, do you drink caffeine? And they'd say yes. And I'd say, both of those are mind-altering and mood-altering drugs. Co- cocaine, cocaine and sugar ping the brain the same way. So if you're going to come to me and eat Ben and & Jerry's and tell me cannabis is a drug, I'm going to tell you sugar's a worse drug. Yeah. And we're going to debate yeah. it. That's what I've always said. Having said that, people don't get addicted to cannabis. Yeah. Number one. And number two, if you're going to read the back of a Suboxone bottle for MAT, Medically Assisted Therapy, or the back of Seroquel, or the back of Wellbutrin, read all the things it may cause, including hmm. death. When I tell people cannabis, organic cannabis, taken properly. Now, I'm not talking 200 milligram edibles 20 times a day, because that's yeah. nonsense. That's like LSD. Yeah. But like taking it correctly, the worst you're going to do is play Xbox and eat pizza. Yeah. That's the worst you're going to do. You're not going to overdose <laughs> on cannabis. Yeah. So if that's the worst you're going to do versus all, you know, shut your kidneys down, big pharma drugs, shut your kidneys down, you know, can cause death, can cause this, can cause constipation, whatever. That's not going to happen on cannabis. Also, heroin addicts don't generally switch and become cannabis addicts. Yeah. They like heroin for a reason. It shuts down their, their receptors. Cannabis doesn't do that. Yeah. So very few of my clients have ever said, oh, I like cannabis so much, I'm going to be addicted to it. Yeah. No. You know, most of them want to get off it because they're like, I just want to be clean. Of course you do. Well, this is the means to get there. Yeah, it's such a it's such an interesting topic. And there's so there's so many different uh, opinions and and um, and ideas about it. What are you seeing uh, moving forward? I'm, I'm not asking you to predict the future or anything by any means. But, um, you know, in, in the professional field and the work that you're doing, what do you think is is going to is what do you think cannabis is going to? evolve into and do you think that it's really gonna um be able to help the recovery community in in people who are definitely struggling to get off heroin but other other addictions as well i think it can help i think the problem is a lot of people are old school and they say well you know to go to this meeting you have to be clean but they're doling out cigarettes sugar and caffeine yeah and saying you have to be clean and i look at that and i say that's not clean and then we have a debate but i think what we're going to see, especially with the millennials, is there's going to be a lot more cannabis use. There's going to be a lot less big pharma use. Yeah. Because the millennials really want the healthy lifestyle. And they're saying, you know, I want to eat organic and non-GMO and non-sugar and non-white flour. And they're reaching for cannabis over alcohol. Yeah. So I think we're going to see certain drugs are going to decline. And I think cannabis sales will go up in that generation. Now, for the rest of us, you know, anything goes. So we've got to learn a whole new behavioral lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. 
It's a really good point. And I think you're right. I mean, you're, you're dead on right about that. J- definitely the millenni- uh, millennials. But um, I think a lot of people who are just awake to reality, kind of mentioned earlier, perception versus reality. The reality of it is, it's all this shit that we're being bombarded with from um, from GMOs to sugar to all, all of the all of those types of, uh, of drugs, per se. Um, a lot of people are turned into that alternative way of life, that healthy living style. So I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Um, where, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. I, I, you know, hopefully we can do this again, maybe sometime later on down the road. I'd like to get into a little bit more. Um, where can folks find you at, um, any social media links, anything, uh, any projects you're working on, uh, before we wrap this up? Sure. They can find me at theaddictionsacademy.com, which is plural, theaddictionscoach.com or calliestis.com. And on Facebook, I'm Dr. Calliestis. Same thing on Instagram. On Twitter, I'm theaddictionscoach. They can give me a call at 1-800-706-0318, extension 2. They can find a copy of my best-selling workbook on Amazon, which is uh, the recovery workbook for coaches. Pretty easy to find. If you Google me, I come up pretty well in the search engine. So kind of got myself out there yes ma'am that's pretty awesome stuff right there dr Kali estes you heard it on sober guy radio thanks for tuning in today go to that for any more information peace love respect to keep your blood clean